Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with Kendra Foley. Kendra is an Indiana alum graduating from Noblesville in 2013. During her time in high school, she was a four-time All-State finisher in cross-country and one-time All-State finisher in track. Upon graduation, she joined Grand Valley State University. At Grand Valley, she was a 15-time All-American, three-time national champion, and four-time national runner-up. She stayed at Grand Valley State as a volunteer assistant after graduating until she joined Notre Dame as a full-time assistant a year later. After three years at Notre Dame, Kendra was named the head coach of women's cross country and assistant coach for distance at Dartmouth in August of 2021. Kendra brought a unique perspective to this conversation, having risen to the heights of Indiana distance running, college running, and now rising through the ranks of college coaching. Kendra had a lot of really good things to say, drawing from this perspective. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you Kendra Foley. Kendra, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. How's it going? Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. We're going to start off with a little tear talk like we have been. Uh, and this week is best dessert. Uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, I think that's right in time for the holiday season. Um, so I would actually have to say, though, my my best dessert is ice cream. Um, takes the cake, winter, summer, doesn't matter. Nice. What uh? What flavor? Depends on the mood. Okay. You have like, what if you were? Almost <laughs> like, what if you're on death row? What if you? What if you only could eat one for the rest of your life? Um, it's got to have like a little bit of chocolate, a little bit of caramel, and then like something crunchy. So I'd have to say like some type of moose tracks. Okay. So you're not like a cotton candy or something. No. No. Or the chocolate. Okay. I respect that. Uh, do you have a two or a three or is it ice cream? The second, all day? I would say would probably be cheesecake. And then the third would probably be some type of, of cobbler, like a berry cobbler or an apple, apple crisp type thing. Okay. I like it. Uh, for me, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to add an honorable mention. My fourth is tiramisu. Okay. Um, so like, I guess about a year ago now, I lived in Baltimore and um on the weekends i worked at like a high-end pizza place and like we could basically have whatever we wanted like from the kitchen and at the end of the day i would eat so much tiramisu (laughs) it was bad that's a uh, what that's a good one that often gets uh forgotten yeah it's simple you know uh number three is dark chocolate so any kind of i don't know if it's really a dessert but i love dark chocolate Two, like yours is cheesecake. Really, uh, really any kind, but even just your like traditional cheesecake. And then number one is key lime pie. That is a good one. Also very underrated. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like, uh, never, I don't know. Dessert always sounds great before you eat your meal, but then you like eat your meal and I'm like, I never seem to have room or never sounds good afterwards. I I'm I'm opposite. I feel like in order for my meal to feel complete, I need something mm. sweet to top it off. There Even if it's like a scoop of ice cream. 
Okay. Do you eat dessert at home or is it mostly just when you eat out? No, I, I generally eat dessert at home. There we go. Nice. Okay. So we're going to get into a little bit of your background. Um, we'll just go through your story and then talk a little advice, a little coaching coaches corner. So we'll start with your beginnings. Um, how did you get your start in running? Um, I actually started, I'm one of those people that started very young. Um, I don't think it always works out where you start a sport super young and you find that it works out for the rest of your life, but it worked out in my case. So I actually have never participated in any other sport. I was afraid of the ball. So I refused <laughs> to try anything. I never tried softball. I never tried basketball. I never tried volleyball. Um, and so my parents wanted me to do something and my mom invited me, I think at the age of like nine, just to go for a run with her. Um, and it was fun. And I talked the whole time and it kind of made her run go by faster, having her daughter just talk to her the whole time. So she was training for actually the Indianapolis mini marathon. And so she ended up signing me up and um, I did my first half marathon when I was in third grade. <laughs> and never looked back. Uh, so we did it every year until I, I got too into the sport where it was actually my track season. And so I couldn't do it anymore, but I never walked. Um, I think I, the first time I did it, I actually counted how many people asked me how old I was, <laughs> I was getting so annoyed. Um, and I believe 65 total people asked me Wow. race how old I was but it kind of sparked that competitive edge because I saw other little girls running and I told my mom we had to pass them um mm. and then I realized kind of that it was something I could do that yeah. didn't involve a ball <laughs> how'd you do, do you uh you pretty well so I realized that like I ended up either getting top two or first in my age group so it kind of it's started that competitive edge and then so the next year I did it I needed to be in the top three every single year and so mm. it got to the point where my mom would just tell me have our meeting spot at the end of the race because I would leave her um if I saw any other young young looking girls around me um I knew I had to pass them yeah so was this something that you like loved right from the beginning or I yeah I think it just worked out um even through high school, I just, I liked competing. I liked, um, use, I finally found the the one thing that like worked for me and I could, I could control and manage, you know, how well I did. And I liked that. Yeah. I feel like I know the answer to this question, but like, do you have any regrets about not trying other sports? I, I personally don't. Um, when I tell people that I've never, played any other sports and I've never technically played a team sport um a lot of people kind of nod their head and say yeah that makes sense because I think I'll get competitive in just about anything um mm -hmm. and I think it just individual sports really harbor that in my opinion um mm -hmm. so I don't regret it I think <laughs> I uh am not good at backyard games because of it um you know, I get picked last a lot for uh you know beach volleyball and, and all <laughs> but that's okay Mm -hmm. um, I get picked first for the relays, but there we go. So did you, uh, were you like training at all at this point or no, um, not until I joined, um, an actual, you know, middle school team. 
Um, mm-hmm. Was I actually training full time and had kind of a, an actual plan? I would just go for runs with my mom until I got to the age where I could be a part of a team. Yeah. So how did things progress from there? So you joined middle school team. How was that? It was good. I think it, it you know, added that structure and and kind of began my understanding of what it meant to be, you know, a real runner where you had to do a couple runs a week, you had to do harder efforts and kind of started challenging my mindset of actually what it meant to be a runner. Cause at that point, like I said, I'd never done any other sports, so I didn't understand the concept of practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I got me into that routine and, and kind of started harboring, you know, the, the knowledge behind running and being good at it. Yeah. Um, were you still pretty good at this point? Um, I think so. Um, <laughs> the, what I always loved about the state of Indiana and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself is, you know, there's no, it's not split up into divisions. It's only one. And so having so many people at such a high level, I never considered myself elite. Um, Mm. even in high school, I was competitive and I wanted to, to be better, but I never considered myself as the best because I was never the best. Um, Mm. I was the best on my team, but I think, um, you know, that is never where I saw myself. I always saw myself as just a, a high competitor, not an elite runner. Hmm. So having started like so young and kind of by yourself, was it fun having people to run with, especially your age? Yeah, my, I mean, my sister actually is, is three years older than me. And so she, hmm. she tried all the other sports, um, but then she found her neat for her niche in cross country. And so she did it before I got into it. And that's kind of how I steered, steered that direction. Um, and, and realized it was something I could do cause she was doing it. Um, so they, because my sister was on the team, they actually let me join the team earlier. Um, I just wasn't allowed to compete. Um, mm. and so I think, um, I actually don't remember the question. <laughs> uh like did you enjoy running with people oh yeah I yes I think that was always the the best part of it and it I think it still is today um just running with other people and um I think it's the most community-based activity you can do Hmm, there we go Uh, so I ran for Fishers and I remember there's a group of us who were in eighth grade and like we weren't allowed to actually go to practice over the summer because like we weren't a part of the team yet but we like knew where like the courses would go, like where they would train. And so we'd wait at one of my friend's houses who was like on the course and just hop in the on runs uh, like with the team. So that was, yeah. I remember, yeah, it's fun. You had to kind of be a little sneaky. And I, it is such because it's such a community sport that you know mm-hmm. what the older kids are doing and you can easily kind of follow in their footsteps. Yeah. I was like, even going into college, it's so weird. Like when you're in eighth grade and you see like a senior boy in high school, you think he's like in his forties or so. You think he's so old. Yeah. And then like going into college is like the same thing. Going into adult life, it's like it's weird. <laughs> it, it's definitely weird. I think you just yeah you see everyone in such a different light than in the stages of life you're in. Yeah, for sure. So heading into uh, high school, like what were your expectations? Um, I had a lot of expectations at that time. My, my sister was a senior and so they had just come off of Noblesville tied for second. 
um, the year before. And so I remember we, they were coming off a very competitive year and, um, or maybe it was a couple of years prior, but they really wanted to, to be back on the podium and I was excited to, to try and help. Um, and so it was, it was a really good start. And I actually kind of, I think found the 5k was a lot better for me than the 3k was, um, mm. which should have been a sign moving forward, but, um, the, uh, I loved the 5k distance and I loved starting to get to know the competition that I was going to see all the time. You know, you start mm -hmm. seeing Carmel, you start seeing Fishers. And I think it was really exciting to start putting those names with faces, um, and kind of realizing where you could match up. Yeah. So you, you finished 13th your freshman year, right? At state. <laughs> okay. Is that, did you think that could be possible? No, like I, I didn't know. Um, it's funny now because I always, I tell my athletes now that that dumb running is fast running because <laughs> when you're just out there and you have no concept of the course, you have no concept of the competition, you have no, no prior knowledge. Um, I think you end up running really well because the, the anxiety isn't, isn't there. And mm. so I was just running as hard as I could. Um, as fast as I could and passing as many people as I could not knowing exactly what it meant in the long run. And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever run on the Terre Haute course. So it was mm. brand new and I didn't realize that it, it was a terrible course. Um, <laughs> and so I think that that kind of the, the shiny new effect uh, wore off after that. Yeah, for sure. So coming off of that performance, were you like, wow, I could be really good or were you like, Oh man, there's a lot of expectations or what, what were you um, feeling? I, it was a little bit of both. At that time I had my, my teammate who was a year older than me, Helen Willman. She had all the expectations on her. Um, mm. she was one year older. She was faster than me on the track. Um, so I think I just, I took a back seat and I think that helped me, but I did, you know, I ended up, I think placing 15th my sophomore year. And so, I think the anxiety and the expectations got to me a little bit where, you know, I thought I had to keep moving up and you always want to be better than you were the year before. Um, and so that was, that was stressful, but I think being able to kind of just take a backseat to Helen was really helpful as well. Hmm. Is there anything that you would tell, like going back, tell your freshman year self? I think I would just tell her to really channel the freshman yourself, like keep that spirit of, you know, just enjoying it and being competitive because it's fun. Um, mm -hmm. I think even at the college level, a lot of people forget that it's fun to race. Um, but there's just this looming, you know, dark cloud over it sometimes when you're choosing to go out there and, and have a great day and, and race for your team. And so I think sometimes the, the pressure takes over too much. Um, when I was just doing it cause I thought it was fun. Um, mm -hmm. and so I think that's something that I would tell myself and a lot of people. Hmm. For sure. You were, I'm sure you had your good races and your bad races, but like on average, you improve pretty much every year. Um, do you attribute that to anything being able to, I yeah, think I attribute it. I will say my, my high school experience, it wasn't from what I remember, it wasn't, you know, super crazy organized where we had very strict practices. We had, you know, we did this every single year and it was really 
to the point and it was almost too structured. And I think a lot of, a lot of teams today, because everyone is so knowledgeable in running, a lot of teams today are almost overly structured and that kind of creates this, you know, dark cloud of anxiety of like living the lifestyle and having your entire life be running. Mm. And I think I attribute, you know, the constant success to just enjoying it at that time. Like I didn't feel like, you know, I wasn't dreading practice that day. I was never dreading a meet. I was never, you know, like, I think it was always just kind of something still fun and something light to it um, mm. that I chose to do. It didn't, nothing ever felt mandatory to me. Um, and I think that's something I could continue to get better because of that. Um, you know, I never got injured or hurt in high school because I wasn't training at a super high level. And I'm very grateful that I didn't. I think at the time I wanted more. Um, mm-hmm. but looking back, I'm actually very grateful that I didn't train at a very high level. Um, because it allowed me to have, you know, still run today and still want to go run today. Yeah. What do you remember about your training? Uh it wasn't like I said, it wasn't very structured where, you know, we knew what we were going to do every single week and we knew what, you know, what practice was going to look like every single day. It was kind of a mystery. Um, we'd show up and we'd learn that day what we were going to do and we'd go do it. And I think that, like I said, in the time being, I wanted more, but looking back, I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I remember it just kind of being, you know, if he said we were going to do a very challenging workout, you know, we dreaded it a little bit, but we didn't have all day at school to think about that challenging workout. Or if we knew it was just going to be a run, you know, we didn't have all day to think about it. We would just mm-hmm. kind of show up and, and see what would happen. Um, so I do remember that. And then I just remember the winter being, you know, indoor track wasn't, isn't an official sport in Indiana. Um, and so, it was just something that we got to do for fun. And so we would spend days just running through the school and playing tag for practice um, because it wasn't (laughs) official. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think people do that today. (laughs) Um, I think it's a lot more serious. um, Hence why the times are a lot faster, but um, I think that's that I wouldn't trade it. Um, I had an awesome time. So now that you are coaching at it, at a high level like how do you for someone who wants to get better and wants to take it really seriously like how would you also instill like some fun or how would you what would you recommend to someone (laughs) I think it's I know I work at a school where there it's very type a personalities um you know it's an ivy league institution where a lot of people have spent countless hours studying and and you know organizing their thoughts and schoolwork and all of that. And I think I try to be a little bit more type B because of that. And I try to be the person that, you know, helps them relax and helps them realize that they they're choosing to do this. They want to do this. This isn't something they, that is a chore or a job. Um, And so my goal is for everyone to, you know, they might have a stressful day at school and they might have exams the next day or papers due that weekend, but at least they know that from two to five, they can take a big deep breath and do something that they enjoy doing um, mm. and is, is fun for them. And so 
I think that's my goal and making sure they know that you know, I've told them that when they're, when they're 40 years old, they won't remember the times that they ran. They won't mm-hmm. remember the place they got, but they'll remember, you know, the time that they had mm-hmm. uh, with their teammates. So yeah, that's, that's what I try to do. That's good. Um, for you in high school, are there any, I guess, is there, any, is there an accomplishment that sticks out to you? Like, what are you most proud of? Um, I, I used to know the stat and I don't anymore, but I think I'm, I'm in the top, like the 19th person or something ever to my mom would know, um, <laughs> to get all state all four years. Um, and so they changed all state now. Um, when I was in school, I think it was top 15. Mm. Um, so my goal was to get all state all four years. And and I did that. And I think that's my biggest accomplishment. Um, I didn't do it in track. I was not very good on the track, but, mm. um, I would say that, that to me, that sticks out as, uh, the biggest accomplishment. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, when did running in college become a, a possibility? Um, so my, my teammate, Helen was a year older and she committed to Ohio state. Um, and she had, you know, an incredible mile PR an incredible 800 PR, um, and was really great on the track. And so it didn't surprise me. And I didn't really think about that as an option until she went through this process. Um, and I never remember her telling me that she was making the decision to run in college. And so I just assumed it was the next step. Um, Mm. I don't remember actually ever consciously thinking like, oh, should I not do it or should I do it? It was just, that's, that's where you, that's what you do next. Mm. Um, and so I started the recruiting process and I had, you know, I got advice from, from Helen and her dad and family, um, of where to go or how to go through it. But my, my sister was recruited to a couple she was recruited to a couple Indiana schools and, and local D3 schools, um, but she decided not to run. So my family had a very vague idea of what you know, running in college and recruiting meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we weren't too sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, so were schools reaching out to you at this point or were you reaching out to them? Um, what was the process like? I My dad made me kind of look at all of the the schools that were an option and I didn't know what I wanted to study and I didn't know, um, you know, where I wanted to go. And so we kind of just started looking at schools and he was very focused on how far away were they, how much did they cost? What did it look like? All of the, you know, the things you're supposed to be interested (laughs) in. And I had a list of what are their school colors, like what's their mascot, who are they Mm -hmm. sponsored by? Um, where would I fit on the team? Mm -hmm. And my list was very different than his. Um, And I think we just kind of, we did reach out to schools um, and send an email of, you know, who I was and what my times were. Um, And then there were a couple schools that were reaching out to me. Um, And I remember telling a couple coaches that I was just going to go to Indiana because that's where my parents went. And they Mm -hmm. said, well, has Indiana called you? I said, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't think you're going to go to Indiana then. Um, (laughs) So I, I did go on an unofficial visit though, but I just thought that's yeah. where I was going to go. Yeah. So you ended up going to Grand Valley State. I did. How did that, how'd that come about? So 
Jerry Baltus was the head coach or is still the head coach. And his college roommate is actually was the Westfield coach, um, mm-hmm. uh, coach Lidskin. And so, and he kind of told Jerry about me um, and said, Hey, there's this girl. And I actually live, my parents still live there um, in the same neighborhood as coach Lidskin. So he would see me run by all the time. Mm. Um, but he kind of told Jerry about me. Um, and then um, I, I got a, a letter in the mail that said Grand Valley state, they were the national champions. And mm. at that time I was just starting to get interested in, like I was starting to pay attention to college cross country. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that they were liars because I knew that Providence won. Um, it's like Providence won nationals. I don't know who Grand Valley State thinks that they're kidding. Um, That that doesn't exist. Um, (laughs) But then I had to look it up and I learned that there were three divisions. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was new. Um, (laughs) And I went on an unofficial visit and I really loved the coaches and I loved the area, but I I wasn't sure. and I went on a couple more unofficial visits and really toured around. And I was kind of slapped in the face with um, at a couple of the D1 schools I looked at and kind of bigger power five schools I looked at. I was shocked at at how not good I was. Um, <laughs> I got they showed me the recruiting standards and I barely made the walk on. And mm. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm not good. Um, <laughs> I think it, it really hit me. But I kept looking and um, the other official visit I went on and the only other school I applied to, ironically, is was Southern Illinois. Um, mm. And I got connected to them because Matt Sparks was the head coach mm. there and he is a Noblesville grad. And ironically, he was my future boss. Um, <laughs> and so... He was recruiting me at Southern Illinois and I went on an official visit there and hated Carbondale. Um, (laughs) I I couldn't do it. And so he actually helped me choose Grand Valley and he kind of really kind of helped me decide that that was the best way and kind of the place that I would probably be the most successful and happy. Mm -hmm. Um, He knew Jerry and he knew the program. And so I ended up committing to Grand Valley and can honestly say it was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Did you question along the way if you like really wanted to run? Um, no, I never did. Um, but I remember having teammates that that quit or thought about quitting. And I remember having several conversations with other teammates of mine, like like it's hard. It's not for everyone. I think everyone who has the option should give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that it's it's a commitment. And if your heart's not in it. It's not worth it. Um, it's not worth it to you and it's not worth it to the staff that's putting a lot of time. Um, but I do think everyone needs to give it a very fair shot if they have an opportunity because it can be life-changing. Um, but it's also, it's a commitment. Yeah. So I've, I personally never thought about quitting, but, um, you know, I've had several conversations with teammates that did. Yeah. So what were your expectations heading into Grand Valley State? Um, I didn't have a lot. I didn't think, again, I didn't think I was very good. I realized very quickly that I wasn't. Um, and so I put my head down and kind of grinded and realized that, you know, I was their top recruit. I was their top freshman. And I ended up 
I remember the first workout that I was in, they put me in the A group or like group one. Mm -hmm. And I panicked and I was as silent as I could possibly be and like put my head down and didn't say a word. Um, and then slowly got the confidence that I belonged there and I could be an influence and I can help the team. Um, it, it took a while. And I think as I started, I started really putting that pressure on myself in college to, to Mm -hmm. be better, um, and, and really impact this team that took such a chance on me. Um, and so I, I think I thrived in that, but along the way, I mean, if you talk to my college coaches, I, before every national meet I ever competed in, I was somewhere crying, um, because I was, I was so nervous. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was those expectations I had for myself that, that made me so nervous. Wow. So like I said, I, I graduated from Fishers and I think you're two years older than me. I graduated in 14. Okay. Um, so I, we would have run like at the same Hamilton County meets for like two years. And I remember, I remember you vaguely cause you were like really good, <laughs> obviously like dominating in the Hamilton County area. Um, but like in re- prepping for this podcast, I didn't realize how like unreal you got it in college. Um, did you, when, I guess, when did you know you could be like national champion level good? And did you make any like leaps along the way? Um, well, first of all, thank you. One of the things I love about Indiana and my favorite thing is is because it is one division. Like I know so many people and I still follow, you know, so many people I competed with um, on Instagram and I like saying, you know, where they're at now. Mm-hmm. And so it's definitely just a, a fun community. Um, but I, when I was in college, I, I actually, I started journaling and I wrote down this winter of my freshman year that I was going to win nationals. Um, and I don't know why I have no idea where that came from. Um, but I decided that I was going to, you know, really change my lifestyle. Um, when I was in high school, I didn't realize how much your lifestyle really played a role into running. And Mm -hmm. so I picked that up in college where I was like, okay, what you eat, how much you sleep, like that all really affects your, you know, your performance. And so I, I realized that, um, pretty, I would say kind of late in my opinion. Um, I didn't realize it till the winter. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of put my head down and, and, you know, wrote out what my lifestyle was going to be like and stuck to that. And so I spent, you know, the summer, the spring and the summer really, really focused and dedicated. And I came back in the fall and I had more confidence than I had my freshman year, but, um, I had come off of an all American and cross country, my freshman year and cross country, indoor and outdoor. And so I decided I was going to do that again. Um, Mm. and I was, uh, I kind of, took every single race as a practice and started learning, you know, the people and, and just like high school, you start to pick up on your competition and who you need to beat and who will be in the races and where you'll see them next. And I ended up winning nationals my freshman year or my sophomore year, I'm sorry, winning cross country. And it was, that's the the moment I look back on college the most because we were the only team in NCAA history to win as a team and to go one, two, three. Um, and so I got first and my teammates got second and third and to turn around and and see that, um, was, is the most special memory I have of college, uh, Mm -hmm. hands down. 
Um, and so I think that I, I did come out of that race a different person. Um, you know, I went home after my sophomore year cross country and came back for indoor thinking I was going to win indoor and then I was going to win outdoor. Mm -hmm. No one could touch me. And (laughs) in all honesty, I was kind of a douche about it. (laughs) Kind of a a little bit annoying. And I got humbled very quickly, Mm -hmm. um, which was a very big learning moment for me. And I I tell Mm -hmm. my athletes that story all the time, because just because you have one big success does not mean you're guaranteed um, success for the rest. Um, So I kind of struggled a little bit that that indoor because I I was figuring out what it meant to to be elite but still not be that good um so I think I found my niche a little bit in cross country where I could just race and be competitive I think in the track when it's so closed in and tight packs and I think I get a little bit more antsy (laughs) yeah that's pretty amazing thinking about like your first workout your freshman year you're like wouldn't talk because you were so nervous to well only a year later you're like no one could touch <laughs> a me bit, a little arrogant yeah um, I, I fully admit it and recognize that I I, I came back a little different um, yeah so with with lifestyle stuff like I know for me I'm a very like all or nothing person like either I'm gonna eat like like as clean as possible I'm not even gonna look at anything unhealthy or like I'm just not, um, I find it hard to like find a balance of like lifestyle stuff. Um, were you able to find a balance or what was that like? I, I think it's a, that's a conversation for a whole, whole other podcast. I think, Mm. um, I mean, as a, especially as a college coach now of, of females, it's just a, a very big topic that we talk about all the time because it, being, you know, clean eating a hundred percent of the time can do damage to your mental and physical health. And so I think Mm -hmm. I tried to break the season up. Um, and so when it came time to conference and regionals and nationals, I would really, you know, start to hone in on that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, at the beginning of the season, I was a little bit more flexible and, and gracious with myself and and I will fully admit there were a couple instances and a couple seasons where maybe it did get a little out of hand and I was a little too focused um and a little too restrictive but I was lucky enough to have coaches and teammates to remind me that you know my long-term health is important my if I want to be successful over four years um you know you have to take that all into consideration and so um, it's really easy to get caught up in it, but I think it's it's important, more important to look at the the full picture um, mm. instead of the the very short term picture. Yeah, is that is that like a question worth asking for maybe a high schooler now who's looking at trying to run in college? Like, worth asking a school? Like, what? How do you guys handle? I I absolutely think it is. I, when I actually got interviewed for the Dartmouth job, I did one of my interviews was with the senior captains and they asked me what, you know, my thought process was on how to handle, um, you know, topics on that of how to handle, Mm -hmm. you know, women that might struggle getting enough fuel or comparing themselves to one another. And I think it's, it's an important topic. And I hope that, you know, everyone feels comfortable talking about it. To me, it's, it's part of 
the whole picture and making mm -hmm. sure that, you know, if you're a, if you're healthy in your mindset, then you're healthy, you know, you need to be healthy as a runner, um, just as much as all the other things. It's just one of the pieces of the puzzle to be a great runner. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, what do you remember about your training at Grand Valley? Um, I, it was a lot. Um, it's funny. I actually, I still look at my, my running log whenever I'm lost for ideas of workouts. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what did I do? Um, and so I, it was, it was a lot of, I would say volume, a lot of work. Um, but I never felt like it was too much. Um, I was, they did a really good job of building me up slowly. Like I said, I didn't have a lot of structure in high school. So they really took their time building me up and realizing that I could handle, you know, more mileage. Um, and I enjoyed it. Um, and so I think, you know, my freshman year long run was my least favorite day of the week. I hated it because <laughs> I never did that. Um, mm -hmm. and I only liked doing workouts. And so then by the time I graduated, I loved long run. Um, and I think I, I ended up growing to love, you know, more mileage. And I think I remember just doing a lot of really fun workouts. Um, I think one of the things that was exciting to me was, I know, I, and I, I mentioned this earlier, I like to look at workouts as, you know, an opportunity and a, a fun challenge. Um, I always got excited for them. And so I think, um, you know, that's something I try to do in my job today. Hmm. I like that. Um, I know we could probably talk about this forever, <laughs> but with like the extra stuff, cause I, I want to kind of, I don't want to put a bow on it, but I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. I kind of want to, yeah, put a bow on it maybe. Um, like what, what advice maybe would you give to someone who, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about eating, but it could be about, you know, they aren't going out to hang out with friends because they need to get sleep to like an extreme level or they're doing this or that at, at that extreme level. Um, it may be in your own case, your own life or the people that you were able to talk to. Uh, yeah. I guess what would you say about that? Um, I, I think I was for better or for worse. Um, my support system was my team. And I don't think that that is the case for everyone because so many people that it's just a part of their, their anxiety and stress, um, to have running be a part of their life, you know, all the time. Um, and so actually the places that I've worked, um, both at Notre Dame and at Dartmouth, you know, your first year, they actually room you with someone who's not on the team. Mm -hmm. And, um, a lot of the athletes I coached really loved that because it was their way of kind of almost putting a break and, and stopping to constantly think about running. You know, they mm. got to talk about classes. They got to talk about the bachelor. They got to talk about things that didn't involve running. Um, and I think that was, it's talking with them. It seems like that was really beneficial for their, especially their first year to kind of grow into it. Um, and grow into that lifestyle. I didn't do that. I was always living with runners. Um, but I was lucky enough that it was a very supportive group where we would still talk about other things and we would, you know, do 
go to the mall and get ice cream and things like that. But um, I think they were always very supportive because their struggles were similar to the ones that I was going through. And so we could kind of talk through things like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm really stressed about X, Y, Z. And, and they could kind of either talk me off a ledge or talk me up the mountain. Um, and so I think I was lucky enough to have a, a really great support system as well as, you know, a really great coaching staff um, mm-hmm. to kind of help that. Mm, for sure. But I would say I do remember when I was in, I think when I was in college was when mental health really started um, being talked about in athletics. Um, mm. Until then, it really wasn't a part of it. And I think I do remember having a moment of like, should I go see a counselor? Because I feel very, you know, stressed and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up not. But I think that was the only time or the first time I ever knew it was an option. Yeah. Is that a growing conversation in, at the it, college level? It absolutely is because it is a part of, it's a part of performance. Um, you know, you can't have a good performance for your team and for yourself if you're not in the right headspace. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it goes beyond performance, obviously, because, um, you know, we want to make sure everyone is, is, you know, having the best situation that they can. Um, and if that means that, you know, the team is too much and they need to take a a moment away, um, we're always going to support that. Um, I think it's just a, it's a growing conversation that's become a lot more normalized. Yeah. I like what you said about surrounding yourself or maybe even putting yourself in situations that are outside of, of your normal or, or other runners or, uh, I think that's huge because it can be easy just to get locked into that mindset yeah, with other people who are in that mindset. Absolutely. Because then you start also looking, okay, what time did they go to sleep? What time, mm. what did they eat for dinner? What did they didn't eat any dessert or, you know, you realize how many, how much water did they drink today? And so I think you just get a little bit in a, a kind of a, a deep hole thinking about, you know, what did they do? What do I need to do? And so I think doing things that don't, involve running at all I think is is very good for for people to kind of disconnect a little bit yeah for sure I can imagine there's just so much pressure especially for uh, an athlete on a scholarship to to want to succeed to I don't know if there's a threat of losing the scholarship there's just so many factors yeah going to want to perform well uh so you had a ton of success at Grand Valley State did you have any aspirations of running pro afterwards I didn't, I didn't know that I was good enough to do that. Um, I think I, I, yeah, that I had teammates follow after me. Um, you know, my teammate Zach Panning is now also an Indiana runner and mm-hmm. he is, if he's not on the podcast, he should be because, you know, he's, he just got what he was the second American to finish at the Chicago marathon. So yeah. he runs for Hanson's and he was the year after I graduated, but I didn't, you know, have that same opportunity and I didn't know, but I, after I graduated, I stayed around the the Grand Rapids area, um, and volunteer coach for them. And then, mm-hmm. um, I was kind of doing road races just for fun and to see what kind of money I could win. And so, the the art of road racing when you're not sponsored is finding the races that have just enough money that it's worth it, mm-hmm. but not too much that pe- the real people will actually come. <laughs> um, 
So that was the the art form I tried to balance uh, that year. But I wanted to, I was kind of deciding between two avenues of life. Do I want to go into coaching or I had been working at um, the New Balance store throughout college. Um, and so I also thought about going into um, like shoe um, kind of advertisement and um, being a, a representative for New Balance were the kind of the two avenues I was looking towards and trying to figure out where I wanted to go. Yeah. Did you know you want to stay around running? I knew that I, yeah, it was kind of the only thing when I graduated that I felt the most confident in. Um, I couldn't see myself working in an office. I couldn't see myself um, kind of doing a nine to five grind. And so I didn't exactly know where I was going to go. Um, but, you know, throughout college and, and everyone says this, that, you know, everyone wants to hire student athletes, everyone wants to hire student athletes. And so I was naive enough to think that that was just the law. And so I graduated <laughs> and I was like, okay, where are the offers? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't really realize that you actually have to like go seek people out and then you'll get hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, kind of hung around, but I knew I wanted to stay in running because that's what I, that's the area I felt the most confident in. Yeah. Was it tough? Like you were like running at such an elite level, um, especially compared to your competition. Like, was it tough leaving Grand Valley State, but leaving that? It was, it was pretty tough. I think when I started coaching, I got, um, you know, hired as the assistant at Notre Dame a year after I graduated. And I was only four months older than the oldest girl. Mm. And so I, I really tried to separate myself a little bit, but I think I struggled, you know, still wanting, like watching them work out and still wanting to be able to do that and hop in. And I think, especially seeing a place like, like Notre Dame after coming from Grand Valley, you know, I wanted to, I wish I knew what I could have done at an elite level and at, you know, a D1 level, I was always curious um, Mm. how I would fare. And so I think that first year I really spent trying to establish myself as, you know, I'm an adult and I want to, you know, help these people now and kind of reframe your mindset of now your purpose is to help other people um, achieve their goals. It's no longer mm. about yours. Yeah. That's something I think about a lot actually, because so I'm an assistant coach for Carmel now, and it's a little bit different of an age gap because I'm 26 and oldest kids are like 18. Um, so I'm like, there's a bit of a gap where people like, no, I'm not in high school. Um, there was once where this other high school, <laughs> I thought I was in high school, <laughs> even though I had a full beard and everything. Um, how did you, how were you able to establish those, those boundaries or like, yeah, I don't say like get respect, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. get respect. Even, I mean, even I've been coaching for, for five years now and I still kind of struggle with that because mm-hmm. I, and I kind of, I almost use it to my advantage a little bit mm-hmm. um, where I do have a boundary where, you know, I am the, the professional, I'm the adult. Um, I need to make the tough decisions and I need to be the responsible, you know, person in the room. But I also think that I'm not a normal coach in the sense that 
I talk to my team about, you know, my, my family and I want to know about their family. And I, we Mm -hmm. joke about what we watched on TV and I don't like, there's just no, it's kind of a a no hold back relationship where Mm -hmm. they can feel comfortable telling me almost anything. Um, and I think that is really important to me and I, I want it to be a little bit more of a, that family atmosphere, um, where I'm not like, the strict mom, but I'm kind of the, the older sister who's guiding them. Um, it's their, it's their goals, it's their dreams. And I just want to guide them there without being, you know, it's my way or the highway. Um, and so I think I get to have this, this special relationship with them. Um, I think at the high school level, it's a little bit different because they Mm -hmm. are minors. (laughs) Um, I get to hang out with adults. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's a little bit different, but still, I think, um, you know, I, they know that I make the, the end of, you know, the decision, but, um, they feel very comfortable telling me and, and giving me input on how they're feeling, what's going on in their life. And, and that only helps me, um, with their training more. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you say like the big sister role, cause I feel like that's kind of the, the role I've tried to land on is that big brother role where like they feel comfortable approaching me and talking to me about me about things, but there are like certain lines that I'm yeah. not going to cross and I need to be an adult. I'll be, you know, the yeah. adult, the authority. Um, I think it's a, like, I want to know when people start dating or break up. I don't need to know the details. I just need mm-hmm. to know the mental state that they're in if they break up. Um, yeah. yeah. So that way I can be sensitive or, or not say something. Um, so I think that, I think that's where the line kind of is. I don't want to know the details about your breakup, mm-hmm. but I, I just want to know you did. Yeah, uh, for sure. So you end up at Notre Dame. Is that a opportunity you sought out or? Yeah. Or? So I, it's actually, I think one of the, it's just a very ironic story where I was recruited by Matt Sparks to Southern Illinois, who was a graduate of my high school. Mm-hmm. So we're both Noblesville Millers. Um, I rejected his offer at Southern Illinois. Um, following or my actually my first year at Grand Valley, we raced at Notre Dame um, and we were in the gold race at Notre, at Notre Dame and we lost to Southern Illinois by like two points. And it was my fault because I got passed <laughs> at the end. And so, and I specifically remember finishing that race and hearing Matt Sparks say, you've got to get the girl in black. She doesn't have a kick referring to me. Um, I got passed, we lost and I was furious. Um, I thought we were friends. I thought Sparks was like my ally. Mm -hmm. I was complaining to my parents. I was like, I can't believe that guy. I hate that guy. (laughs) He did that. And then Mm -hmm. he was right behind me. He was like, oh, hey, Kendra. And so (laughs) fast forward four years, five years, and he offers me the assistant coach job. Um, He gets promoted to director of track and field at Notre Dame. And he calls me and he knew that I was volunteer coaching with Grand Valley and was kind of figuring out my path. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to, he wanted to, an assistant coach that he could kind of help and, mm-hmm. and mold and, um, you know, not someone that was going to come in and, and take over. Mm. And so he offered me the job and I said, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so I just think it's the most ironic story that 
you know, five years prior, we were arguing on uh, on the Notre Dame cross cross country course. Yeah, wearing two different jerseys, and so um, we laugh about it all the time. And then when when we were you know working together, we would always recruit and say, "Oh yeah, we're both actually from." the same high school we're from Noblesville, Indiana. We were home. Mm -hmm. We were, we were actually prom King and queen and <laughs> half the recruits would be like, seriously, <laughs> no, like <laughs> graduated in the nineties. Yeah. Um, but I, he gave me an opportunity that, um, you know, I obviously can never thank him enough for, cause it, it really kickstarted, um, you know, where I am today and mm -hmm. spending three years there, I, you know, learned from, you know, how to build training plans, how to recruit, how to do all of the behind the scenes administrative work. Mm. And um, the whole time I was there, he kept telling me that I was going to, you know, I'm going to get offers to get other jobs. I'm going to get all these offers. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to get any. Um, and he really built the confidence in me that I could become a head coach and I could do that. And so, um yeah, I, when the Dartmouth job came open, I was like, well, I recruit against the Ivy League all the time for mm -hmm. Notre Dame. So like, I bet I could switch my pitch and mm -hmm. recruit for the Ivy League. Um, you know, type A runners are my, my specialty. So <laughs> I figured I could, I could apply for the job and be pretty successful. And I took pieces that I loved that Sparks did. I took pieces that I loved Jerry did at Grand mm -hmm. Valley and, and kind of built what I thought would be, you know, the best program for me to be able to run. Um, and so I got the job and and moved to New Hampshire. That's um, awesome. Which was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have intentions of becoming a head coach eventually when you accepted the job at Notre Dame? Um, I didn't think I would. Um, mm. I actually loved being an assistant, um, because I don't have to make the big decisions, but what I love about my job is I don't actually, I still don't have to make the big decisions. Um, so I get to be the head women's cross country coach, um, mm. but I'm still the assistant track coach. And so I have a director that I report to, um, and she's amazing and she gets to make all of the big time decisions and I don't have to do budgeting. I don't have to, you know, <laughs> figure out the hard things I just get to. And she gives me complete control over, you know, the women's distance program, which is really what I've, what I love doing. And so I think it's kind of the best of all worlds mm -hmm. uh, that I, I don't have to be the guy, but I get to, to still be like, you know, in charge. Yeah. So during your time at Notre Dame, like what were some things you learned, some key lessons, or what are the, some of those things that you said you took from Notre Dame and brought to Dartmouth? Um, I still, I kind of copy his training plan um, mm -hmm. and, and kind of how he organizes things um, that I copied. Um, but I kind of the, the, like I said, the recruiting pitch, um, is a big one where I didn't recruit at all, um, at Grand Valley. That's not what I did. And so, um, I think I got to learn how to recruit and learn that because I also got recruited by Matt Sparks. And so mm -hmm. I knew the recruiting ins and outs, um, from him. And so I, you know, you, it's all about building those relationships and, and it's more than, 
you know, just telling them that they're fast and you want them to come to your school. It's, you know, talking to them about their, their family and why they started running and what running means to them and what their goals are and, you know, how you can envision them in your program and what your coaching philosophy is. And I think those are some of the things that I took away. Um, you know, it's not just seeing them as a runner, it's seeing them as, you know, the person that you're going to spend four years helping cultivate them into, you know, a person that'll be going off into life after they graduate. Mm -hmm. And so kind of seeing that side of it. For sure. How has your time at Dartmouth been? It's been really fun. It's, it's crazy Mm -hmm. because I've never been outside of the Midwest. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that in itself is an experience. I think people kind of get confused when I tell them I'm from Indiana, but (laughs) I, I have enjoyed it. And I think, yeah, it's definitely just one of those new experience journeys that, you know, I don't know how long I'll stay here. I don't know if, you know, when I'll leave or if I'll leave and there Mm -hmm. will always be a chapter in my book of New England, Vermont, New Hampshire. And I'm lucky enough to have had a lot of life events. Um, You know, I've moved my fiance out here. We've bought a house out here. We've gotten a dog and all these things. And so kind of building that chapter of our lives has been really exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. It's challenging being away from, you know, all of our families, but I think it just helps you grow as a person when you're, you're forced to kind of live a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm, For sure. So I, like I said, at the beginning, I spent that year in Baltimore and I couldn't agree more. It was like, I don't know, some of the highest highs of my life and lowest lows of my life. Yeah. Um, Similarly, I'd never left Indiana. And so being away from, from friends and family for the first time and trying to meet people and, figure out the city it's it's tough it's definitely tough and I think but it, it also is such a good learning experience that you get mm-hmm. to you know look learn how to meet new people and learn how to you know operate in a, a whole new realm of where you're not just an hour away or 30 minute drive from friends and family yeah were you willing to go anywhere like whichever job opened up <laughs> no, no I've got I don't think I can go south and I don't think I can go too far west. Um, I think my rule of thumb is right now I'm about 14 hours away. I think it needs to be like drivable in one day. I can do this in one day. It's a a very bad day, but I can still drive it in one day. Um, There we go. If it becomes a multiple day drive or it has to be a flight, I think I'm, uh, I don't know if that's for me. (laughs) Yeah. Did you go home for the holidays? Uh, not Thanksgiving, but we'll go home for Christmas. Okay, cool. Um, before we move to the coach's corner and wrap up, um, is there anything that we missed about your story from the beginnings to now? Um, um I don't think so. Cool. Yeah, we covered a lot. <laughs> All right. So coach's corner got a handful of questions here and we may have covered some of these like during our discussion so far, but feel free to add as much or as little as you want. So first question is, what advice would you give a high school runner who is trying to make the most of his or her time in high school? Um, I think a, a big part of it is, 
you have to continue seeing yourself in different ways where if you start out your first year, you know, and you run very successfully and say you make your top seven, you can't make your second year the goal to just be making your top seven again. Then the goal has Mm. to shift a little bit. And now your goal is to be a point or a scorer for your team. Or if you got, you know, a certain place in conference, your goal shouldn't be to beat that by one point or to get a new PR because are you really going to be happy if your PR is 510 and you run 509? Mm. And so I think it's continuing to see yourself in, you know, the next phase of it and not just being satisfied with one second or one place, but how far can you dream? Because there's not, there's no cap on someone. Um, And I think that some high schoolers make the mistake of just being content. You know, Mm. I got a little bit better today and that's good enough. Um, But if you just put such a small limit, um, you know, you're, you're just capping yourself off too soon. Mm, For sure. What advice would you give high school seniors looking to run in college and handling the recruiting process? Um, I don't think it needs to be, you know, I tell recruits all the time that it should be fun. Um, I always compare recruiting to the bachelor, um, (laughs) because all these colleges are trying to get in touch with this one person. And all we want is one-on-one dates. You know, we just want an official (laughs) visit. Um, and it should be fun and it should be something that, you know, you take a lot of pride in that, you know, schools want to recruit you and schools want to talk to you. Um, and I think that that should be really exciting. And I think, you know, you'd be surprised where you end up. I never heard of Grand Valley before I I started the process. And I think I, you know, it was the best decision I could have ever made, but I don't think, you know, I got, I know other teammates of, you know, high school teammates of mine and other people I competed against got really wrapped up in, oh, well, that's D2 and I'm not going D2. Um, And while I would have loved to see how I measured up against D1 competition, I think it was the best decision for me and I have zero regrets. Um, I loved it. And so I think being open to all of the different options there are out there and enjoying it and you really can't, it's hard to make a wrong decision. Um, so many schools have so many great programs. Um, mm. I tell every recruit that I talk to, I will, I will never hold it against them if they don't pick me because I don't want them to pick to, to run for me if it's not where they're going to be the most happy. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's their life and would I love to have them? Absolutely. But I think they need to, to find the right fit for them. Hmm, for sure. Uh, what advice would you give a young college runner transitioning to a college program? Um, I think one, don't, I think it goes back to the the same thing I said earlier of just like, don't be okay with just, you know, being a little bit better each year, you know, dream big put yourself Mm -hmm. in the mix, um, and take a little bit of a risk because that's also how you get better at racing is just taking a little bit of a risk and putting yourself in the race, putting yourself in the workout, um, and not being afraid of failing because that's how you keep getting better. And so if you, you're doing one K repeats and you start out faster than you ever started, maybe, maybe you blow up, maybe you don't, but Mm. you're going to get a little bit better. Um, 
And I think not taking it too seriously too, you're going to have bad days, but that doesn't mean you're a bad runner. Um, I think it's, it's actually Alexi Pappas that said like a third of your like training is into thirds, like a third of it is going to be really great. A third of it's going to be okay. And a third of it's going to be really bad. And so if you have a bad day, it just chalks up in the, the bad third, mm -hmm. um, which means you have two other thirds to play with that are coming up. Yeah, I like that. Um, what advice would you give assistant head coaches at any level of running? Um, how do you best support your head coach? And then if you are wanting to be a head coach eventually, like how do you <laughs> learn and grow and soak things up? Um, I actually, when I was an assistant coach at Notre Dame, I described my job as, you know, my job was to make the, the lives of the student athletes better and the life of my head coach easier. Um, mm. that's what I thought my job was. Um, and so anything that they, the student athletes needed, I was going to do and whatever, whether that was unlocking the track on a Saturday or, um, getting them waters before the race or carrying their spite bags. Like I was, you know, a mule for them and that's fine. Cause it helped them achieve their goals. And then mm -hmm. on the flip side, whatever my head coach needed, I was going to do, um, which, you know, meant, doing all of the administrative background work. Um, it meant, um, I don't even know, setting up the cones or something like that before practice. And so I think that's how I saw my role. Um, but I also saw it that I was a glorified student athlete um, mm. because I got to hang out for a living. I got to hang out with the student athletes. <laughs> I got to hang out with the coaching staff. Um, and so I think some people see assistant coaching as, you know, you are just kind of the the mule or the person that gets stuck doing all of the crappy jobs. But at the same time, you're not sitting in an office. You're not like mm. doing this nine to five grind. Um, and it, it's, it's really fun. But at the same time, I do think some people who get into coaching think that it's just the holding a stopwatch and walking around the track and talking mm. at training and talking track meets, but there's so much work behind the scenes that mm. I don't think a lot of people really see, like, you know, getting the tarps ready to go on the bus and, you know, figuring out the uniforms, doing all of the, you know, compliance and getting the buses. And there's so much work that's not fun, but it's part of the job. Mm -hmm. that you just kind of have to take in stride and know that it's not a nine to five job, which is a curse and a blessing. It's a seven days a week, 365 <laughs> days a year, 24 hour job. Um, okay. And it, again, it's a curse and a blessing. Yeah. Stepping into a head coach role, like I'm sure you knew being an assistant at Notre Dame that being a head coach is a lot of work, but was it like more than you even expected or? Um. I think what's different is, is, is Notre Dame was a, is a power five. They have a lot of resources. There's a lot of, so we have, you know, we had a director of ops that would handle the travel and kind of a lot of that behind the scenes work. And Dartmouth is not a power five. It's an Ivy league. So there's not as much, um, resources there. So a lot of the, you know, we can have six full-time coaches. And so a lot of us take on, all, a lot of those responsibilities. Um, so it is more work. Um, and I think it's, it's 
longer nights, but at the same time, it you get to decide everything. And I don't want to mm-hmm. say you get all the glory because I don't get all the glory the student athletes do, but you kind of you feel so much sense of purpose that it it's exciting. Um, I think there was a little bit of of stress working as an assistant because I was always stressed I wasn't doing enough for the head coach, but because it's just me. I'm doing all the work I need to do and I know I'm doing it. Um, mm. And so I think, again, it a lot of it is, you know, gives and take. Um, but I think working as a, a head coach, there is more responsibility and it's more on your plate. But at the same time, there's not this stress of, oh, I'm doing this for someone else because you're only doing mm. it for you and the student athletes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what advice would you give head coaches just starting out? Well, I would say I'm a head coach just starting out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think one thing that I take a lot of pride in, whether it's for better or for worse, is I think a lot of coaches get wrapped up in the performances because they think it's a direct reflection on them. Mm. Um, I I do I do think that, you know, there is part of it that I take responsibility for their performances, good or bad, but at the same time, it's their, it's the student athletes performance. It's their, you know, it's their life that they're living and it's their opportunity. And so I never get mad at student athletes if I know that they gave their best effort um, Mm -hmm. and just didn't have a good day because they're going to be more mad at themselves and me getting angry is only just going to, I don't pour salt in the wound and not help anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that when coaches internalize performances by student athletes and kind of hold it against them or get really angry, like it just doesn't do any good to me. Um, mm-hmm. I think just kind of taking it, learning from it and moving on. Um, and then I also, I don't really love it when coaches take credit for performances either because I didn't do the work I guided but I didn't Mm -hmm. do any of the work um and so I think I don't know maybe it doesn't make sense but I think coaches just they take they need to take more of a backseat um and really give all the credit and glory to the student athletes because they're doing all the work um you know I don't I think too many coaches internalize performances yeah I, that's that's really good advice i think uh a shift away from results towards like effort and controlling what you can control is like is so huge um, yeah, like, and then take I, it a, oh go ahead i was gonna say even like you know i watch watch march madness and sometimes you forget that they're 18 to 22 year old college kids yeah um, and if you can just get so wrapped up in it and i think you know luckily there's no march madness for cross country but um <laughs> I think sometimes people forget that these are just 18 to 22 year old student athletes that are, they're doing the best that they can and they want to win and they want to do their best they can. And so mm-hmm. me pouring anxiety and pressure and expectations on them isn't going to help. For sure. Yeah. It's weird being at an age where like some of these star football player, or basketball players in college are like six years younger than me, but they look like 10 years yeah. older than me. It's so weird. Um, like it was weird when I was in college and like seeing on campus, like these seven foot guys yeah. now being older and they still look older than me. <laughs> it's wild. It's definitely, yeah. 
It's something. That's why I work with cross country. There you go. Um, do you do you feel any imposter syndrome being a a young head coach? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I yeah, I wouldn't say like when I go to meets, I get one, I get confused for student athletes um a <laughs> lot, but two, I think I don't know, I'm not at the point where I'm recognizable and and people know me, and so I just kind mm. of shy to the back and just do my job and put my head down. Um, I'm not really the type that's gonna be a very social coach. Um, and so I definitely feel a sense of imposter where, um, I kind of, I, and I think I'll always feel that way. Um, I don't know. I can't imagine not, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's challenging, but yeah, it's also a little motivating. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I agree. I, like I'm we're obviously still pretty young um I'm not gonna say that I'm old and have things figured out but like I just feel like when I'm in high school I think when I get to college things will be figured out when I was in college you know when I graduate things will start getting figured out but it just never happens um like you, you should still aspire to like grow and progress and, yeah. and learn I, and whatnot, but yeah I think it's interesting because in high school you know you're a freshman and you don't know what's going on but then your senior year you've got it figured out you're confident you you got it on lock mm. freshman year of college you're confused you're scared senior year you got it figured out you know what's going on you're confident I don't think that there's I don't know what the age is and when you when you're an adult where <laughs> you've got it figured out I don't think it exists um so there is no, I don't think there's, there's a, I'll ever know um, if I've got it. I don't think I ever will. Yeah, for sure. I feel like if you don't feel some level of imposter syndrome, that's almost more of a problem because you, yeah. you feel like you've arrived or you feel like you don't have more to learn or whatever. Uh, cool. What advice would you give coaches of girls programs? Um. I think being understanding um, and and trying to put yourself in their shoes and and remember what that feels like. Um, you know, they're going through a lot. They're going through emotional changes. They're going through physical changes. They're going through mental changes. They're figuring out life. And especially in college, they're in a, a weird stage where they're trying to figure out, you know, I'm independent, but at the same time, I'm you know, I'm maybe calling my parents every other day, or I go back to my roommates and we talk about everything, or I have a boyfriend and you're trying to figure out how involved all these people are going to be in your life. And there's so many, there's so many opportunities coming up, but there's also so many unanswered questions. And so I think just remembering what that feels like, um, you know, I talk to the girls all the time about what they're going through and, and, you know, where they are in their life and, they, they've heard some of my life story and they've heard bits and pieces of, of mine. And some of them have taken away and been like, oh, I, I never really thought about that post-graduation. I said, yeah, like, you know, that's something you need to think about. And I think just remembering that they're going through a lot and that it's hard. And so they're going to have bad days. And mm-hmm. like I said, pouring salt in the wound on their bad days isn't going to make it better. Um, so, you know, today actually... They, they didn't have their best workout today. And some of them were really disappointed. I said, it's just a day. You got a little bit better every mm-hmm. day. You get a little bit better. Even if you just do one rep of the workout. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I think rem- I always remind all of my athletes to to try to find a little win every single day, whatever mm. that is. Um, whether it's, oh, I made my bed this morning and I never make my bed. That's a little win. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, oh, I did some core and I usually don't. Um, so something that they can take away and, and feel good about. So I think that's what I would say. And I think it works for both genders. For sure. I like that, that advice. I feel like, yeah, a small win, like snowballs into a bigger win, into a bigger win. And, um, Yeah. What, uh, what's the balance? This is kind of a big question, but what is the balance of good training and good culture? Um, I think, you know, I'll go back to, to Grand Valley for this. One thing that I think we excelled at at Grand Valley was that, um, was the good training and good culture because there was so much pride in what we were doing. Mm. Um, you know, I felt such a sense of pride when I put the Jersey on that I knew that my performance was not only for me it was for my teammates it was for my coaches it was for the the alumni that graduated last year it was for you know all these different people and so I think culture comes from having that pride in what you're doing um and you know being excited for everyone um I think even if you know the last person on the team does has a great workout like that needs to be celebrated or the person comes back from an injury and does their first workout back like that's celebrated and I think having that culture of you know what's your purpose every day and why are you doing it mm-hmm. um and you're doing it for you know the team that you committed to you're doing it for the coach you committed it to the teammates mm-hmm. that you're committed to um I think that they really play a role and kind of come into one when you have that just you know, like I said, pride. Um, that's what I had. I had a pride for the the Grand Valley tradition um, that I felt I was withholding or upholding. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that advice. I feel like, I don't know, with my, from my experience, um, it can be easy like for a coach to know why they're doing what they're doing, but not like share exactly why, why we're doing this kind of training or why we're doing this culture building aspect of things i think yeah knowing knowing the purpose um to why you're doing it and sharing it i think that's yeah because everyone's is different mm-hmm. yeah exactly all right let's do one last question uh <laughs> i feel like i've been grilling you here uh if you had unlimited money to improve professional running what would you do with it Um, I don't know how I would do it, but I just think it's so fun to watch. And I just wish that more people thought it was fun to watch. Mm. Um, and I think they do, but they just don't know. And so like making it more publicized and, and really getting the races on TV and, you know, available for people, I think would be huge because, um, it's, it's so fun. And I actually, you know, my fiance is a soccer player and and we argue all the time about soccer versus running. And Mm -hmm. I tell him all the time that you'll never see more passion and drive than, than you will at the end of a cross country or track race. Like Mm -hmm. that is the most emotion you'll ever see out of anyone because you're giving your full effort 
And like, you literally can't work harder. There are no timeouts. (laughs) There are no, like, there's no substitutions. It's, you know, that last 200 of a track race is like your hardest effort humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's so exciting and I don't think enough people see that. And I think if they did, they would really buy into it. And not to mention if sports betting was a thing on track races, it would be huge, but that's that's a whole other, that's not my realm, but I think I'm not allowed to sports bet, but it could be a big, I think a big thing, you know, people betting on, you know, is Sydney McLaughlin going to break her own world record in the 400 hurdles? We shall see. Um, or the 1% chance that she gets beat. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's so much excitement towards it that and it, it's, it's building, but that's mm-hmm. what I would do. There we go. I think uh, the best idea I heard was from Grant Fisher. And <laughs> I don't know if you've heard this, but he took from like the golf and um, golf and tennis. Jeez like model of their sport where he would have like four majors throughout the year. Cause you know how like a lot of professional clubs, they all go to like these different like random races and you like never know like what they're really doing or besides outside of the Olympics and world championships, there's not a ton of like huge races or that people know of at least. So just like organize everybody into these like four races or four, whatever that you would have throughout the year. Um, and like people would, probably be more likely to watch I would think that's interesting I think my other my pet peeve though is you know because they have the the major marathons every year Mm -hmm. but if you train you know you can only do so many a year Mm -hmm. and so you know you can golf every other weekend and it's fine and Mm -hmm. you're racking up you're racking in the money but the poor marathoners have to train you know half a year for one marathon and it's if something goes wrong like that was their money maker um and so i think it's just slightly unfair in the running realm that like you just can't you only get one opportunity three times a year you know yeah no that's definitely true like even with with golf and tennis you can like play like you said in these smaller tournaments throughout the year yeah that is like the the hardest part because you can't Obviously, you can't race every weekend, but I don't know. None of us have billions of dollars, so. We'll never know. <laughs> never know. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, is there anything you want to, to say before we wrap up? I don't think so. Um, no. Okay. Thanks for well, having cool. me. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs>